Welcome to localjobnetwork.com radio. Your attention is directed to minding your P's and Q's where we examine the varying aspects of business etiquette. It can be sensitive at times. For today, though, I'm your host, Tim Muma, and this program will zero in on what happens after the job interview, the steps a job seeker should be taking to increase their chances of success. Stepping in to add some personal and professional insight is CEO Jessica Olenberg from HRS Inc., whose diverse experiences give her a sound perspective on post-interview etiquette. Jessica, thanks again for coming in today. Thank you for the invitation. And before we jump into the topic and kind of the, the nuts and bolts of it, if you could give people an idea of what you do with your role and your experiences with your company and yourself in terms of the hiring process and specifically, you know, even to this sort of issue. Absolutely. HRS is a management consulting firm. We specialize primarily in organizational development. Our clients are all sizes, anywhere from 25 to employees to over 100,000 employees. They are U.S.-based and also in many countries, over 100 countries, actually. Part of what we do is focusing on getting people, getting the right people doing the right things. Mm -hmm. And therefore, we absolutely have an initiative which focuses on candidate assessment. We work with employers in designing their recruitment, selection, and assessment process. And then we continue to work with them at all stages of talent management. But it starts with getting the right people in the door. So we focus very heavily on that. We have worked with thousands of employers. So we do have a diverse perspective. Based on that, we've actually written a family of books, which is doing very well at university bookstores, Amazon.com, okay. as well as Barnes & Noble. So we've got some nice ratings. We've got some good perspectives on this. Good. Yeah, and then that's definitely one of the reasons we kind of look to people like you who have that that broad perspective because it's you could bring in any – employer, you know, hiring manager, and they'll have their perspective. But unless you've kind of been around, so to speak, you, you get that um, really openness. Now, clearly the interview is important. A lot of people feel like, well, once you get through that, oh, you're done, your job's done. Um, but one thing I always wondered in terms of before we get to the after the interview, how much does it matter how many people are being interviewed? I mean, if there are four or three, two, so to speak, I would feel that it has a determining factor in what those people do after the interview as much as in the interview. So does that matter to you, the number? Is there a general number of people you like to bring in to interview? That depends on the job. It absolutely depends upon the job. We find that the elimination rate occurs at different stages of screening sure. according to the job. In some cases, what you're looking for in the biggest elimination is going to be on paper. It's mm -hmm. going to be experience. Right. Do they have the correct experience or, or skill sets? And it also may be written communication. So it might not perhaps be on a resume, but in how we handle the written communication as part of that job hunt process. Okay. In other cases, we have jobs that rely extremely heavily on the face-to-face -face communication. Mm -hmm. And that's where your larger elimination rate is going to occur. Okay. And in those cases, we're going to bring in more candidates. Right. No, and it makes sense. And, you know, that's always the hard part here. We're speaking generalities, but I like that you, you broke it down. There are different scenarios where you need more of that face-to-face. -face, and in that case, you might have more people in to interview. You know, we talk about essential questions a prospective employee should be asking at the end of the interview. Because to me, even though that's t still in the interview as, in a, as a candidate, you're thinking, well, the interviewer's job is done. Now it's my turn to ask the questions, that sort of thing. What's kind of the, what are the key things they should be looking for or trying to accomplish with those questions that, you know, as a candidate, you want to find out about the employer? Certainly. And your goals are obviously twofold. 
you want to be screening the position yourself, mm-hmm. but you also want to be presenting. It's a matter of you want the the ball in your court, so to speak. Right. If you're going to turn it down, you don't want it <laughs> you to be turned down before you get that opportunity. Right, makes sense. So, in those determination of the best questions to ask, one of the questions that is probably the most safe is something like, "What are the keys to success in this position?" Hmm. It portrays not only confidence and determination to succeed. But it is an important screening factor. If you don't feel that those keys to success are something you want to do or are within your natural inclinations, then perhaps you've also determined it's not a good fit. Okay. Some of the other questions are, what typical training is provided for this position? What do you consider to be the most challenging facets Hmm. of the position? You can ask questions about department structure and company. Okay. You do want to avoid those types of things if it's readily available to you. You want to avoid anything that was in a recruitment posting, was in any of the communications you've already received from the organization. And if it's readily available on their website or in wide publicity, please avoid the question. You should know that going into. You want to do your homework before you get into the interview. But if you don't have those answers, you can certainly ask about the overall structure of the department and how hierarchy is established, who you would be reporting to, how many coworkers, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Now, with these questions and whatnot, I mean, is this a a big factor that employers do look at? Like, say they're comparing a couple of candidates. Is this a big consideration in terms of, okay, what questions did they ask? What were they really trying to find out? I mean, because I think a lot of times that's overlooked because we're so focused on answering the questions that the employer is giving us as a job seeker. How big are these questions? How important are these that the candidate's asking? Top employers absolutely look at this, Tim. However, I'm here to tell you that there are plenty of employers who are not conducting the correct interview as well. So Mm -hmm. you don't really know what you're getting when you're walking into an interview. But top employers absolutely will look at that. They will actually design that process as part of their criteria. Hmm. And at the walk away, they're making notes in very specific evaluation forms documenting what types of questions you asked. It's very revealing about what your priorities are, which is why it's a great way to accentuate your priorities as being success driven if you lead with the question regarding what are the keys to success. Okay. We've seen people ask questions that may portray them as wanting their job for the wrong reasons. They jump into benefits, vacation time, compensation. That's all for later, right? You Absolutely. talk about this later. <laughs> Get the job first. Okay. Absolutely. If you've got an employer who's not going to be upfront about those things at some point before you, they get to an offer, mm-hmm. be very scared. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> no, and that <laughs> but makes, give them an opportunity. Right. And that makes sense. And But you bring up that point that, um, you know, again, people want jobs for different reasons. Fine. It is what it is. But if you're looking to actually secure that position, that's not exactly the, the way you should go. So, again, seems like common sense. But as we talk about, it's things people need to hear and, and understand. Now, once we take it past the interview, including those questions, you know, you go home or you go, you know, wherever you head out. And now we're talking about contacting the employer to thank them. I mean, a common courtesy, although I've I've seen, colleagues have seen that this happens probably way fewer than, it, way fewer times than it should. 
is a phone call okay? Are we looking at thank you letters, emails? What's what's kind of the appropriate procedure just to send a thank you for giving you that opportunity? There really are two very important criteria to making that determination. Mm-hmm. One is kind of backing up and adding one more question. And your final question in okay. the interview is the question regarding how do I follow up? Okay. Whom and how and when can I be contacting you? Now, it's fine to take some initiative here and say, I'd like to say send a thank you note. Mm-hmm. I'd like to be able to send that to you and any other people that uh, I've met with during this process, would that be okay? Would that be acceptable to you? Thank you notes don't really need permission, but sometimes you have to ask for them simply to get the contact information. Right. If you already have the contact information, it's assumed you're going to do that. Mm -hmm. But if you don't, it's a great way to lead into the contact. There are employers who will not hire you unless you follow up. Like even How, a simple thank you note like that? Absolutely. Really? Interesting. Absolutely. However, there are also many employers who will disqualify you because you didn't follow up correctly. Hmm. So you should be able to get all of that information in your closing discussion before you leave that interview. Mm-hmm. You should have an agreement as to whom when and how you can follow up and then you're going to want to stick to that however the additional component to that is be job specific meaning if you're in a tell you're applying for a very telephone heavy position it's a telemarketing position <laughs> right you want to show that you're going to be aggressive on the phone okay that makes sense but if it's not a telemarketing position you probably don't want to do that telephone is more and more looking to be pushy invasive, Mm -hmm. disrespectful, unless you have an agreement and a pre-scheduled telephone conversation. Okay. The great thing about written communication is that it allows the recipient to give it attention at his or her own Mm -hmm. priority and discretion. But calls are so invasive. Right. I guess overall, what has been your experience or maybe with the, you know, in speaking with different organizations of getting the, just that simple thank you, you know, we're not talking at this point necessarily of following up, like, how's the job process going like that, just the thank you, uh, you know, in terms of, a, especially maybe an email, I would assume that's more acceptable now, because most people don't write handwritten thank you notes. But what's been your experience with that? And, and any advice in terms of Sending a thank you note, I mean, it takes a little longer, but maybe it helps you stand out. What's kind of the overall perception of that? We absolutely recommend it. Do you? Absolutely. I cannot think of a case in which a thank you note would be inappropriate unless you were specifically told not to do it. Sure. And again, if you've got the contact information already, you certainly don't need to ask permission to do that. Mm -hmm. If you don't have the contact information, perhaps then you're really going to want to follow the instructions that were given. The receipt of a lot of thank you notes can be very cumbersome for somebody who's looking at a lot of people. It's not uncommon to have 300 candidates for a position. What if we had to correspond with each of them that were not selected? Mm -hmm. That's simply not practical. Right, right. But the truth is very few people actually do it, so you do stand out. So it doesn't become overly cumbersome for the employer. Now, regardless if you're writing the, you know, a handwritten note or an email, that sort of thing, and um, it, you're, you're doing it to thank them and as a courtesy, obviously, 
are there any other specific little things to throw in there into the message? Maybe like a one last sell, so to speak, or is, I mean, is that okay? Is that seen as kind of cheesy? What's the take on that? Well, anybody can take a, a good idea and turn it into <laughs> something cheesy. True, true. But well executed, it's a great idea. Okay. And what we typically recommend is that immediately following the interview, you sit down and you make those notes. Mm-hmm. Even if you're choosing to not send it immediately and you want to go through a couple of drafts or something, that's fine. In absence of an agreement of a different time frame for a thank you note, we recommend that it gets out in one business day. Okay. And your thank you note should be an opportunity to accentuate the positives, certainly reinforce your interest. And if there is something that you wish you could have a redo, Mm-hmm. Something you didn't say or something you wish you would have said better. This is an opportunity to set that record straight. You don't want to be overly verbose. Mm-hmm. Your thank you note should not be more than perhaps a half page in content, maybe two-thirds of a page. Okay. But you certainly want it on one page at a maximum, unless you've agreed on something different again with the employer. There are employers who will ask you, to specifically go back and think about a few different points that were brought up and will ask you to prepare a written response. Again, they're looking for your written communication skills. So Mm -hmm. there might be something on the table that does take it beyond your average thank you note. But if we're just looking at your average thank you note, please keep it on one page with tons of white space. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think I like what you bring up that, especially if um, in the interview still you set up sort of with the employer what the guidelines are, um, kind of following their lead. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, I think it probably doesn't happen. You know, most people probably don't even ask as a candidate, you know, what's kind of the protocol there. Now, with the message, you know, what you write is going to be dependent upon what the job was. As you said, maybe what you should have said or maybe wanted to say better. What sort of tone or voice are you looking for? Because to me, there's this balance of wanting to sound eager for that job in, in the thank you note, but also you don't want that desperation of, oh, I need this. And I, you know, like you're the greatest thing in the world because there, I feel like there's got to be some give and take there. Maybe I'm wrong, but what's what's the sort of the opinion on how that, that voice should come across? That's a great question. And, and I would draw the distinction between need and want. Mm-hmm. To need a job implies that nobody else is hiring you. Makes That's sense. not a great selling point. Right, right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, I mean, is there a, a trick to that, though? I mean, I, I don't want to say a trick as in you're trying to fool anybody, but I, I find that it's probably one of the toughest areas because, like you said, it, it, need and want, is, is a there is a big difference, but I'm sure there's a fine line when you're writing that. I mean, are there keywords that you should use or not use for sure? Keywords would be to convey messages of confidence and enthusiasm. Mm. You want to talk about how every stage perhaps in the hiring process so far has heightened, has increased. Speaking as if I were the candidate, I, I, I would speak in the first person and I would say at every stage, my confidence and my ability to excel and succeed in this job has grown at every stage Mm -hmm. and my commitment and enthusiasm for the opportunity has grown equally. So those are the key words you're looking for. Anything that is going to be synonymous with confidence and anything that is going to be synonymous with enthusiasm 
or commitment. Now, when we move past that idea of the thank you note and you know common courtesy in that way, and maybe a little bit of a, a last second sell job, what's the basic idea appropriateness in terms of following up now to check on the position? You know, I've seen one week. I've seen longer. Maybe, again, you might have had an agreement with an employer, but maybe you didn't, though. What what should be the feel, the gauge for checking in back on that position? And now, you're not thanking them now. We're past that. Just the idea of where's the job status at? Am I involved still? That sort of thing. Yes. Th- again, great question. And absolutely, it is critical to do everything you can to have this agreement before you leave that interview process. Mm -hmm. That does solve a lot of problems, I would imagine. It certainly (laughs) does. It certainly does. But if you didn't have that opportunity or you weren't given that time frame, absolutely one week is average. Mm -hmm. And as far as the means in which to do that, again, you don't want to be overly invasive, but you do want to be invasive if your position requires you to be invasive. (laughs) (laughs) We talk about um, Wall Street and the original Wall Street Mm -hmm. and, and, and how Charlie Sheen's character eventually got his opportunity by being persistent and being in the lobby every single day. Well, that's not going to work for most of us, but for the job he was applying for, Mm -hmm. that's what he needed to to do to succeed. Hmm. So it worked for him. Right. Most of us don't have invasive jobs like that. So mm. when we do things like this, it, it appears that we have no respect for somebody else's time. We have no respect for somebody else's priorities, for instruction, etc. And that we're going to be high maintenance and difficult to work with. Hmm. It may backfire. So look at the job requirements and the keys to success for the position. That being said, Certainly, in absence of any of those types of criteria, one week is an average default, and something non-invasive would be in accordance with the contact information you've been given so far. Mm. If they have been corresponding with you to date via email, please use email. Mm. If they have been corresponding with you via phone, please use phone. Okay. If they've been using both, go with what you think they would prefer. In the absence of that, to hear your voice may be better. Okay. But the great thing about email is that you're more likely to get a response. Interesting. It's a lot easier to hit reply (laughs) than it is to pick up the phone. Right. So it depends upon your goals. If you feel that you can deliver a better last cell follow-up, by having your voice and your enthusiasm and that inflection, use your best tool set. Mm -hmm. But if you're the type of person who knows, geez, I really need to gauge this somehow. I need to know whether or not they're going to hit reply. (laughs) Then perhaps you want to default to the the email. And that's good advice. I like how you focus on uh, it's not... If you don't have that idea of which means to use, work to your strength. You know, if your strength is this, you know, charisma or you have a, a standout voice in some sport, sort, use that. Um, if you are a better writer, you like to kind of take it all in and use that route. I, I think people don't necessarily think about their strengths at this stage. You know, they're always focused on when you're trying to get the job in the interview, in the resume, that sort of thing. So uh, I like how you say it's it. That process is continuing. You're still showing off your strengths even to this point. Absolutely, absolutely. At every stage of the hiring process, you want to present the best version of yourself in the job for which you are applying. Mm -hmm. So, yes, absolutely. Play to your strengths. Now, how about in a situation where 
you know, an employer says, you'll hear something from us by Tuesday and Wednesday, maybe Thursday passes. What's kind of the step there? Because like you say, you don't want to seem pushy, but you are also told, hey, you're going to hear something, you know, one way or the other. I'm not sure it happens that often, but I, obviously I, I, it has to in some instances. What what do you do as a candidate in that situation? I mean, you, are you in, in your right to at least find out what's going on at that, at that point? Ideally, by the time you've left the interview, you, you have some of the information that we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. And one other piece of information that you could also gain in the interview is it is acceptable to ask how many people, how many candidates are being considered and what happens next and, and what the expected time frame is, sure. again, before you leave. And then if you have any information to that, certainly apply that and at least apply some educated guesses as to where you think it might be and why you haven't heard. Absolutely, rejection letters are, are not very common. Right. Well, yeah, that, that side of it I completely yes. understand. So yeah. absolutely we understand that if we haven't heard something, it's probably not good news. Mm-hmm. But that's not always the case. It's not always the case. So to demonstrate listening and actually give that follow-up, may be in your best interest. It may be a last-minute deliberation. Mm. And if you can demonstrate that you listened and you are committed enough to give it one more effort, mm-hmm. even in the face of potential rejection, that may help you. It may be the final boost. And in that follow-up, if you can specifically reiterate we discussed that you would be making a decision Thursday. You'd be interviewing candidates through Tuesday, mm. take two days to deliver. If you can repeat that, it shows outstanding listening, retention, respect for their process. Mm-hmm. And then to follow up with something that doesn't require a callback. Right is the appropriate way to go. If you're going to call and be pushy and say, I need a call, I need an email, that may actually start taking your candidacy south rather than <laughs> north. But if you're willing to say, so I just wanted to get in there one more time and reinforce my commitment and, and confidence and interest right. in the opportunity before you made a final decision or that type of thing, could, could very well work in your favor. Uh, it is possible. There are cases where you could go to an employer at that point and say, I do have other offers, mm. but you are absolutely my first choice. Mm. So I will decline those other offers if I know that I'm still in consideration. Right. So please let me know by tomorrow, et cetera, if, if I'm still in consideration. Mm. But again, don't be too pushy on a time frame. And if you're going to take a risk with that message, be sure that you have conveyed that the position you're calling about is your absolute number one. Mm -hmm. Because if you convey yourself as now already considering, reasonably considering other offers, they're going to question your long-term commitment. Yeah. No, that definitely makes sense. And, you know, I I think to your point, just as a candidate wants to feel like they're wanted, the employer wants to feel, as you said, like they're number one. Even It it maybe even sound better if there are other offers out there that, hey, I still really, you're number one. I just need to know kind of where I stand. We touched a a little bit, you know, on the letters and emails and etiquette with that. I, I wanted to ask quick about just phone, the phone call, because I think that is a little bit, it's less used, but maybe there are cases where it's appropriate, as you've talked about. Are there certain times we're looking at? Is there a certain 
strategy in terms of, you know, what exactly you're, you're telling them or how you address someone? I mean, just maybe little etiquette tips with using a phone, because again, I think a lot of people tend to lean on the email and um, if they go to the handwritten note, fine. But um, those phone skills, I don't want to say are lacking, just aren't used as much anymore. So what, what's kind of the basic etiquette guides with, with using the phone for this sort of instance? Mm-hmm. Some of the things that are still in play with phone are, as you said, times. We do not suggest phone calls Monday mornings and Friday afternoons. Makes perfect you've, sense to you've me. You've <laughs> got people winding up and winding down, right? and it, it, it's a bit discourteous and shows a lack of understanding to business practices, mm-hmm. which is not going to roll favorably for you. Right. Additionally, as we talked about before, you don't want to demand a call back. Now, perhaps there is some information that you want to confirm please present that in a manner which allows you to get your information without forcing a callback. Mm-hmm. But give them a reasonable amount of time. I will assume you, you haven't made a decision. More likely, I will assume you have made a decision and I'm no longer a candidate if I don't hear back from you by okay. a certain time. And give them at least a business day, mm-hmm. more if you can. Okay. No, you said there's going to be certain situations where you are just going to be using email um, and you're not using the phone. But I feel like a lot of people need that information, just even those little tips that seem like common sense, just to hear it kind of, you know, reconfirm that for them. You know, we are running low on time, but I I just want to give you kind of that that last broad uh, opportunity to give us just your general thoughts and, and ideas in terms of after the interview this follow-up kind of idea, just the importance of it and any key tips you can give based on your experience and and the things really that you guys kind of teach and and employers expect. Certainly. I can't stress enough the importance of getting all the information you can while you are still in the interview. Mm -hmm. Walk away with a great plan about who to contact, how many people to contact, when to contact them, how they prefer to be contacted, when decisions are going to be made, and arm yourself with as much information as you possibly can. Once you leave, it becomes extremely difficult to get that information after the fact. So be sure that you've done your homework going into the interview so that you have those questions posed. Write them down. Walk into an interview with questions ready to go. Mm -hmm. Employers love that. (laughs) And uh, obviously during the interview, you want to give the authority and respect to the interviewer process so we're not saying interjecting please please wait till the end or wait until you are asked what your questions Mm -hmm. are rather than interrupting the interviewer but beyond that the idea of the follow-up will set you apart no matter how much information has been out there it seems that the follow-up is starting to become less common again Mm -hmm. And largely because of the economy that we've been working in in the past several years, we're finding that there's a lot of deflated hope Mm -hmm. and people start to assume that they're not going to get the call back. Uh, Some people are not legitimately actually trying to find work. They're just going through the motions to keep their benefits going. That's fair. But those that actually do want the job aren't necessarily following through for a lot of reasons. They may not want to put themselves out there a little bit more because then they'll feel that the rejection may make them fall a little further. Mm. But for these reasons, 
it is absolutely less common. So you will set yourself apart and it will present, as long as you are doing it favorably and you are demonstrating respect for the company, for instruction, and for their practices. You know, a lot of the stuff you bring up, and the reason we have a number of these shows is just the idea to get all this information out there and give people the best opportunity. Because a lot of things you're talking about, you're really defeating yourself. You know, you think that you're beat up by a candidate, but sometimes you're you're really just harming yourself with not following up or, or not doing it the proper way. So that's why we appreciate you giving us that, that sort of insight. With that, we are going to bring a, a close to Minding Your P's and Q's here on localjobnetwork.com radio. The next time you, the listeners, leave that job interview, we hope that you take those simple and effective steps that we've discussed in the show. Our expert guest today was Jessica Olenberg, CEO for HRS Inc. Jessica, where can people find out about you and your company? Most of our information, including some of our job-seeking books, are online at askhrs.com, A-S-K-H-R-S.com. Okay, great. Thanks again for coming and giving us some knowledge today. Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation. And of course, thank you to all the listeners as well. Please keep coming back to continue this learning process on Minding Your P's and Q's, part of localjobnetwork.com radio. If you have any comments or suggestions for the show, email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Until we speak again, I'm your host, Tim Muma.